Twitter has accepted Elon Musk's bid to buy their company, and as he opens the floodgates for free speech, the Biden administration has decided to start a new disinformation governance board targeting election misinformation ahead of the 2022 midterms. What a coincidence. While Twitter's takeover is big news, we also have heartbreaking news coming from the Texas border as California's fentanyl crisis, which of course directly tied to open borders, spirals out of control. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. I apologize that I haven't been back in so long, but I have been covering on the ground um, the fentanyl crisis in California, the border crisis in Texas, the homeless crisis that has been plaguing our nation, and I have been quite busy. I haven't been here at home for about a week and a half. You guys saw me on Tucker Carlson. I also have another big project coming up with a company that many of you are familiar with, so stay tuned for that. Um, So apologies that I haven't been able to do the show as often, but As promised, as always, when I can do the show, I make sure to have it jam-packed for you guys. I've been keeping up with all of the important news about libs of TikTok being doxxed by Washington Post reporter Taylor Lorenz, the National Guardsman who drowned at the Texas border trying to save illegal immigrants, Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter, and of course, the left's rabid response to it, and most importantly, at the forefront of the show today, this disinformation governance board that, of course, the Biden administration regime actually, is going to be implementing ahead of our next elections. Can anybody imagine why that might be? Now, I started doing this video series titled uh, Minorities Hate Joe Biden, and I recently did a gay edition. I went to the gayest neighborhood in Dallas, Texas that I could find. It's actually called the Gayborhood here. And even the gay community doesn't like Joe Biden, okay? So where are those 81 million people? You think that they would be all over the country, but no. For some reason, the most popular president in history, I have people on the street saying Joe Biden can effing die for all I care. Go check that out in my Minorities Hate Joe Biden Gay Edition video. This is the consensus that we're getting on the street, which is why Jen Psaki, our lovely press secretary, of course, has to come in and hit us with these fake polls, uh, telling us the exact opposite of the reality that we're actually all living. So, of course, welcome back to another episode. Um I do want to cover a little bit with you guys what I have been up to on the street. So I'm going to play you two videos of last week's coverage. Some of the things that I saw uh, in California, I was in Los Angeles downtown talking to people about the homeless crisis there. I was in Venice Beach asking people about AB 2223, which is the proposed infanticide bill in California. And then I also went to San Francisco because we all hear how bad the fentanyl crisis and the drug crisis is over there. Well, I saw it with my own two eyes. And when I tell you that I have been in the middle of riots where BLM domestic terrorists are destroying small businesses and punching each other in the face over whatever loot they're trying to steal, I have felt more safe in that environment than I did. Did on the streets of San Francisco at 2 p.m. So let's go ahead and start off with the California abortion video. Again, this was in response to California's new infanticide bill, AB 2223. This bill basically makes perinatal death via neglect seven days post-birth. Um, they're trying to legalize it in California, okay? So you, you have your baby, you say, oh, I don't really want this thing anymore. If you neglect your baby for seven days, you want to throw your beloved child in a dumpster, then You cannot be held legally liable for that because it's a perinatal death. Also, another interesting portion of this bill, the coroner can't investigate or write on said death certificate how the baby died. So here are some of the responses to that bill from some Californians. So basically, like if they have their baby, they can neglect them for seven days. And if the baby dies, then they can't be held criminally liable. What do you think? Yeah, I think whatever like helps women and helps them achieve their like dreams and however that needs to like happen is definitely acts to help that is helping all of us so so i prefer that most women make their decisions at eight weeks but if but i'm also in support of 10 months out of the womb so you think babies should be aborted 10 months after they're born if if the mother wants to yes i think fuck them kids so if like you want to get a late-term abortion like that's up to you you know i've had an abortion too and it's it's it was my choice and i'm happy i had that choice i've had an abortion myself would you guys get an abortion again yes 100 100 times i'd do it multiple times until i feel that i'm ready to parent um that's a choice i'll continue to make 
So what I tell you guys, after conducting these interviews, I had to take an entire day off of editing because I didn't want to relive these responses. Um, I felt spiritually drained after being in California for a week because not only is this many people's viewpoint on life over there, okay, whether or not this bill actually passes in that state, there are people in our country who genuinely feel that killing a baby seven days post-birth is a good thing if it benefits women. So just uh, a little eye opener on the mindset there. And uh, of course, I went over to San Francisco too, to go cover the drug and homeless crisis that we're constantly hearing about. I wanted to go see it for myself. Um, I actually did like a mini report on Skid Row and people in San Francisco kind of uncovering what's going on with the fentanyl over there. Um, but here's some B-roll showing you guys just how bad this crisis is. And again, this is all footage that I took with myself and my cameraman. And it only took us about an hour to get all of this footage. Um, this is only a one minute compilation as well. Uh, I have much more footage than just this, but go, go ahead and just take a peek at how bad the crisis is over there. So for my podcast listeners, the imagery that we're seeing is people just straight up using drugs at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. The man that's currently on screen is slapping himself repeatedly in the face. Uh, this other guy is walking backwards with a water gun. We have people that were completely just methed out and drugged out of their minds. Many of them hunched over. Um, I talked to a couple of locals and they said that this is called the fentanyl crawl. These people taking so many drugs, so much fentanyl that they end up slumped over and unable to move for the rest of the day for hours. And again, I, I talked to some volunteers in the city who tried to help with the homelessness. And they were telling me that people have died in their arms due to fentanyl overdoses, that the city is emboldening this type of behavior by giving out free needles and basically, uh, you know, allowing these people to be released from jail pretty much the next day after they're put into prison. So the police don't even bother arresting them anymore. So that was my week last week. Uh, again, I have other videos and more footage that I put up on my Instagram, on my Truth Social account, at Sav Says, go follow me there. And then of course here on YouTube and Rumble. So go check out all of those reports. Um, and again, too, since we're on the topic of California, just to give you guys a little update of how badly that state is doing, uh, per the Gateway Pundit, California Democrats to raise state's gas tax to 53.6 cents per gallon this summer. California already has the highest gas tax in the nation. And because of the Democrats, it will rise 5.6 or yeah, 5.6 percent to 53 cents per gallon on July 1st. So if you think those gas prices are bad in California, they were about six dollars a gallon when I was over there. They're going to get much worse. What else is coming out of California? Uh, let me see if I have this article from TechCrunch that I wanted to bring up. I don't think I have it open, but it was basically about how PayPal is going to be closing one of their offices in San Francisco. And they say they're trying to do this to um, help with their climate footprint. But then later on in the very bottom of the article, it also talks about a tax that San Francisco has on businesses and corporations that make over, I believe it was $50 million per year. So maybe that's a little bit of why as well. PayPal, and many businesses moving out of San Francisco. So California, a completely failed state. What were some of the other things that happened last week that, of course, we need to cover? Um, a story that should have been at the forefront of every mainstream media network, but of course was not, because when you have you know border patrol agents with those scary whips on horses whipping illegal immigrants as they come in that never happened by the way um that's mainstream news for a week it's horrific we have many people in our government investigating why this atrocious human uh, humanitarian crisis is happening right well what wasn't really 
talked about and kind of brushed over this week um, from Bill Malusian of Fox News. Multiple sources confirmed the body of missing Texas National Guard soldier uh, Bishop Evans was found this morning. He is presumed to have drowned after jumping into the Rio Grande to save two people crossing illegally in Eagle Pass on Friday. Now, Eagle Pass is the area that I went to a couple weeks back when I was doing border coverage here in Texas. And many of the National Guardsmen were talking to me about how strong the current is um, in the Rio Grande and how they don't have to jump in and save these illegals that make the decision to get into this river to illegally cross into our country and cross our border. But because they don't want to watch people drown, they are constantly putting their life on the line to rescue these people every single day. And we now have a National Guard member from here in Texas who has drowned because of the situation that the Biden administration has allowed to prosper at our border. He is putting our National Guardsmen, he's putting our Border Patrol members in very horrific and life-threatening situations. The media completely silenced on it. Going further into the Bishop Evans story, the body of missing Texas National Guardsman Bishop Evans was found Monday morning, three days after he dove into the Rio Grande on the Texas-Mexico border to save two migrants attempting to cross the treacherous waters and enter the U.S. illegally. The Texas military department said the two migrants involved were crossing the river into the U.S. illegally and were a part of illicit transnational narcotics trafficking. They remained in custody as of Saturday. Uh, Representative Tony Gonzalez revealed Evan's death on Twitter and said that this young soldier made the ultimate sacrifice in the name of protecting and serving our country. He will never be forgotten. So that's what the Biden administration is allowing to prosper at our border. They were also trying to repeal uh, Title 42, which basically allows our government officials to immediately eject these illegals back to the country from whence they came, once they crossed the border. Uh, a federal judge luckily stopping that repeal, putting a halt to the revoking of Title 42. So that mass border surge that we were expecting at the end of May. Hopefully we won't see. Uh, only time will tell. Clearly we have an intense border crisis right now where people are just illegally crossing over because the Biden administration is allowing them to. Don't forget at the beginning of Biden's presidency, you had illegals coming over here wearing Biden for president shirts as they crossed. And you had hordes of illegals coming to our Southern border and saying, uh, you know, tell Joe Biden we're coming. Go look any of those things up. That is what has happened in this country because Joe Biden, you know, number one, number one fan of the cartels in Mexico who are making great money off of this. So just wanted to make a couple of points on that front. And before we get into all of the Twitter news, going back to how satanic California was, how horrible it was hearing about these women who would be okay with killing their child outside of the womb, I would love to reiterate, one of the interviewees said that he supports killing a baby 10 months out of the womb. I had to clarify his response because it was so shocking to me. We constantly talk about how we are in a satanic and spiritual battle for our nation and just for our own souls. People think that that in itself is crazy. But then we have videos like this one of celebrity Megan Fox coming out talking about blood rituals that she and her, uh, I believe now fiance, Machine Gun Kelly are involved in. This is what we're talking about when we say that we are in a spiritual battle in this country and in this world. Listen to this insane interview. I guess to drink each other's blood might mislead people or like people are imagining us with like goblets and we're like Game of Thrones drinking each other's blood. It's just a few drops but yes, we do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes only. <laughs> it is used for a reason and it is controlled where it's like, let's shed a few drops of blood and each drink it. He's much more haphazard and hectic and chaotic where he's willing to just like cut his chest open with broken glass and be like, take my soul. Let me bleed on you. <laughs> it doesn't not happen, let me tell you. Maybe not exactly like that, but it, a version of that has happened many times. Girl, what? So anyway, yeah, spiritual battle in this country. We have celebrities being like, yeah, we do like satanic blood rituals and like sweat each other's chests open and bleed all over each other and drink each other's blood. Um, 
But yeah, that's not satanic at all. And we also have people in this country who think that you should kill your baby 10 months after the womb. But um, yeah, everything that you're hearing on social media about, you know, depravity and the degradation of our nation is false. Probably why Joe Biden is starting his... uh, disinformation governance board, right? Because we have all of these right-wing extremists who keep talking about all of the depravity in society. You know, the Biden administration loves to do this thing where we see the depravity with our own two eyes. We see the lies. We see Hunter Biden's laptop. We see Joe Biden's cognitive decline. We see empty grocery shelves. The gas price is rising. You know, our soldiers getting murdered in Afghanistan, across seas, we see all of this happening. But then, luckily for us, we have the Biden administration and now the disinformation governance board coming in and they're all going to tell us, like, that's not actually what's happening. You need to understand the context of your empty grocery shelves, guys. I mean, they're empty because our economy is doing so good and people are making so much money that they're, like, buying up all the food. Yeah, I could be press secretary at this point with zero. I actually like me ironically being the press secretary is our actual press secretary. Just to give you guys an idea of where our country's at. All right, let's talk about Twitter a little bit. And I'm going to start this conversation off with this just iconic tweet from Elon Musk. He said, next I'm buying Coca-Cola to put the cocaine back in. I thought that this tweet was hilarious. And Elon Musk is just going so crazy. And before we even get into the Elon Musk Twitter liberal meltdown debate and all of this content, I would love to preface this with so many people on the right are upset because they're like, Elon Musk is a transhumanist. He wants to implant all of our brains with Neuralink chips, blah, blah, blah. If you're pro-Elon, what's wrong with you? You fell for the PSYOP. Bro, why can't we have anything on the right? Elon Musk is willing to spend $44 billion for free speech and to help us take back the narrative. Do I think that Elon Musk is perfect? Do I think that he's had things right every single time? No, but the same people who are bitching and complaining about Elon Musk and Neuralink also simultaneously overlook how he's talked about the repercussions of AI and how dangerous it is and how we're already essentially like cyborgs because we're all attached to our phones. Like the same people who crap on Elon Musk are already a part of the metaverse if they have a cell phone that they're addicted to, if they're on social media commentating on how bad Elon Musk is like, bro, you're already a part of it. So My viewpoint on this entire situation, because people are already getting unbanned on Twitter right now. People are not being shadow banned anymore. We have people on the right wing who were severely suppressed and silenced. They are having huge traction right now. They are gaining followers by the tens of thousands. I believe Donald Trump Jr. gained 87,000 followers in a day since Elon has taken over the board. So to be quite honest with you guys, I am happy that we are being given the ability to actually tell the truth again and change the narrative, okay? Because keep in mind and remember that the entire 2020 election was, how did Time Magazine put it? Um, It was, it starts with an I, I'm blanking on the word right now. It was interfered in basically. I'm going to uh, remember the word in like 30 minutes here. But basically the uh, 2020 election was fortified. That does not start with an I, sorry. I saw it late at night, so my brain's not working. Per Time Magazine, the 2020 election was fortified. So let's counter that fortification of our next elections by at least being able to tell the truth on Twitter. So for all of you anti-Elon Musk people out there, understand that at least the guy is pro-free speech and he is trying to allow people to have a voice and an opinion, which is much more than anybody in the entire Republican Party has done for us. So spare me your Elon Musk is bad arguments. That is my viewpoint on it. You're more than welcome to have yours. Do I think the man is perfect? No. Do I think that he has some bad opinions? Yes. Do I think that his Neuralink uh, research and his creation of semi-automated semi-trucks or yeah, self-driving semi-trucks is bad? Yes. But is this a good situation for not even the right wing, but for an entire country and the world? Yes. So there you guys go. That's my uh, viewpoint on that one. Now let's go ahead and uh, talk about how the DHS is now creating a disinformation governance board. Of course, this news coming two days after Tesla CEO Elon Musk secured that $44 billion 
$1.00 deal to buy Twitter. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas testified Wednesday that the Department of Homeland Security is creating a disinformation governance board to combat misinformation ahead of the 2022 midterms, specifically for minority communities who are being targeted in misinformation campaigns. This was Mallorca's response because a representative asked like, oh, minorities are being targeted. How are you going to address this? And they were like, oh, disinformation governance board, a.k.a. if you guys have ever read 1984, uh, Joe Biden's version of the Ministry of Truth. Yes, you are seeing these things with your very eyes, but the uh, disinformation governance board actually said that that is fake news. Well, you think that the gas prices are rising because Joe Biden shut down our pipelines and stopped fracking on federal lands? No. That's disinformation. It's because of Russia. Are you crazy? We're going to put you in jail now for spreading propaganda against our government and sowing discord and dissent against our government. What is wrong with you? So that's our future. It's going to be very fun. Um, Very interesting point, too, on that. They're saying that they're doing this because minority communities are being targeted. What's happening in minority communities right now, specifically the black population and the Hispanic population, they see that Democrats are verifiably crazy with the LGBTQ indoctrination of our kids. There is a huge movement of the Hispanic community who is like, I don't align with this. This is crazy. And they're starting to vote Republican. I've talked about this on my shows previously, how in uh, McAllen, Texas, for the first time in over, I, I think either ever or over 20 years, they elected a Republican uh, candidate. It was either like a mayor or a candidate. I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I apologize that I'm butchering this. But in these very previously Democratic cities, we are now seeing a big surge in, again, the Hispanic and Black populations that are starting to lean more right wing because Democrats have gotten so insane. So, um, that's something we should all be noting because it's uh, it's not good. It's not good that the government is doing this. And I have said this multiple times that our government has way too much power. If at all, they think they can come out with a disinformation governance board and tell us what we can think or feel. Remember that back in February, the DHS updated their terrorism bulletin to say that if you were sowing dissent and spreading propaganda that would make people... Uh, not trust the government, then you were participating in a form of online terrorism. Go look that up. So understand what our government is setting the stage for here. Not only in election year, COVID doesn't really seem to be working, so we can't send out those mail-in ballots. So now everything is disinformation and you have to be banned now. Now it gets even better, okay? Nina Jankowitz who is a global fellow at the Wilson Center, is now Biden's disinformation commissioner. So this is who is heading the disinformation. I just had like a total mind blank there. The disinformation governance board. This is who is now going to be heading that. Okay. Let me go ahead and just uh, play you this clip real fast so we can all understand where we're at. First, let's begin. Which groups specifically are considered at this point the biggest threat, uh, most likely to cause civil unrest at or around election day? Well, Jim, I think with the president's remarks at the debate last Tuesday night, encouraging all of his supporters to go and watch, Mm -hmm. along with the Trump campaign's recruitment of election observers in a very strange and militarized way, calling it the Trump army and asking supporters to enlist, I think there's a general concern about Trump supporters potentially showing up armed to the polls. And these sorts of voter suppression, voter intimidation, that's illegal everywhere. Of course, there are, you know, rules for party observers, partisan observers to be in the polling station. But in 40 states, you need special accreditation to do that. And I think there's just, again, a widespread fear that, you know, uh, groups of irregular supporters are going to show up at the polls to intimidate people and quote unquote watch. And that's very disturbing. So that is the new DHS head of the Disinformation Governance Board, Nina Jankowitz, talking about how Trump supporters could potentially bring guns to um, 
places where people are casting their ballots on election day and they're basically domestic terrorists. That's who is heading this board. And a lot of fun tweets have come out from Nina. Um, For example, she's quoted saying, Trump's speech is definitely the most presidential thing he's ever done, but still missing a disavowal of disinformation and conspiracy theories. And once again, for the people in the back, the free speech versus censorship framing is a false dichotomy. So just an example there of what this woman thinks about your free speech and if you should be censored. And it gets even better than this. Here she is, quote, tweeting AOC. She says, so AOC tweets out, can we please stop calling it the issue of race when what we are really discussing is the issue of racism? Our good girl, our, our girl Nina, the head of the DHS's disinformation board, says even better if we owned it and called it America's systemic racism. Let's keep going. She also tweets out, Trump talking about how he would put out that fire in Portland is the language of authoritarianism. It means the violent clearing of protesters, arrest without cause, abuse of human rights. That's not law enforcement. That's lawlessness. And this was tweeted out back in September of 2020. I want you guys to remember what was happening in uh, in Portland in 2020. They were trying to burn down the federal courthouse and they were throwing bricks at police officers and lighting fires. They rioted for, I can't even remember how many days straight. It was well over a couple weeks, it was anarchy and chaos, which is why Trump was finally like, hey, bro, we're going to go ahead and deploy the National Guard because it's anarchy over there. Have y'all ever watched Batman? Have y'all ever seen what happens in Gotham when the Joker is just like, we're going crazy and there's anarchy and chaos in the streets and, you know, grandmas are running away screaming? That was Portland in 2020. So here's Nina being like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Donald Trump was trying to stop that. Like, that's just so authoritarian. She keeps getting better, my friends. She also says, I am dispatching thousands of that of thousands of heavily armed soldiers, quoting Donald Trump. She said, a sentence I expect to hear from leaders of authoritarian countries, not the president of the United States. In reference to my own city, girl, Portland is a POS. <clears throat> so, I mean, come on. Jeez. And then finally, and this is from two days ago when she was on NPR, she says, I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms. What would that look like for marginalized communities, which are already shouldering disproportionate amounts of this abuse? You know who is being abused on the social media space? Do you know who is really dealing with actual racism and discrimination for their skin tone in this country. It's not the brown or black community. It's white people. White people are public enemy number one. I actually went and conducted this experiment two years ago where I went with the sign that said, it's okay to be white. And I asked white people, what do you think about this? And they visibly winced and they were disgusted by the phrase, it's okay to be white. Yet Target is selling black power, black king, black queen, black excellence shirts, and nobody cares about that. You replace that with the word white. White people aren't allowed to be proud of their heritage. White people aren't allowed to be proud of their skin color or their family or anything like that or their history. They're just public enemy number one, and they are actually experiencing real racism in this country. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We do not have a white supremacy problem in this country. We have a black supremacy problem, and I can show you various examples of that. So one more tweet from our girl Nina, the head of the Disinformation Governance Board. I'm reiterating that just so we're all aware of what this woman is heading, the Disinformation Board. Remember Hunter Biden's laptop that was suppressed by the New York Post ahead of the 2020 elections that many people were polled about and they were like, yeah, if we knew about that uh, laptop and about Hunter Biden's business dealings and maybe that he was a crackhead, we probably wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. Well, our friend Nina said back on the laptop from hell, apparently Biden notes 50 former officials and five former CIA heads that believe the laptop is a Russian influence op. Trump says Russia, Russia, Russia. So here she is, covering for Hunter Biden's laptop. And remember that the entire media was doing this before doing their due diligence. There's this crazy thing in reporting called investigation where you hear about a story and you're like, damn, that's kind of crazy. Maybe I should make some phone calls, do a little research, maybe see if the laptop really did 
belong to Hunter Biden. But our media didn't do any of that. They just said, yeah, that's so that's a Russian disinformation campaign. It's the Russians. It's the Russians, guys. Just ignore that. And then Twitter, do not forget, came in and suppressed that story. And then Joe Biden got into office because it was a fortified election. Fortified. So that is going to be the head of the disinformation board. And that's who is going to be allowed to tell you what is and is not reality. Again, we're living through a time where you can see all of the chaos and destruction that Biden's administration has brought in in less than two years. People always say Joe Biden's an awful president. I say that he has destroyed America in record time, okay? So he's the best at being the worst. We got to give him that at least. And uh, this is now the new ministry of truth that he is creating. And why is this happening? You guys already know about this, but we're going to recap it anyway, because I've been gone for a week and a half, guys. This is happening because Twitter accepted Elon Musk's buyout deal. Uh, Twitter's board accepted billionaire Elon Musk's offer to buy the social media company for $54.20 per share. Of course, Elon sneaking in that $4.20. What a jokester. And uh, trying to buy out Twitter for $44 billion. So again, at least Elon puts his money where his mouth is. I think it was uh, back in 2017. He would Because he'll just talk to anybody on Twitter that adds him. He actually retweeted one of my tweets one time because I was like, at Elon Musk, thank you for exposing some of the COVID nonsense that's going on. And he retweeted it. And I was like, OMG, Elon. So he's very active with the average person and he'll talk to people. And so this guy goes, uh, I forgot what they were talking about, but basically he's like, why don't you just buy Twitter then? And Elon goes, how much is it? And the guy who tweeted that out, I guess is a, a leftist. And he's like, that Twitter exchange still haunts me to this day. So good on that guy for planting that seed in Elon's head. Good job. Um, but the reason why they're starting this governance board is because <laughs> these are the types of tweets that Elon Musk is putting out. And it's absolutely incredible for my podcast listeners. I've got a beautiful graphic here that Elon Musk has captioned, in case you need to lose a boner fast. On the left side, we have fat Bill Gates, and on the right side, we have the pregnant man emoji. So why is the full force of the government now trying to monitor disinformation ahead of the 2022 elections? Well, there's a whole subset of reasons why outside of Elon Musk wilding out on Twitter and also opening the floodgates for free speech and now allowing both sides of the political aisle to have an opinion. It doesn't seem like Elon's a fan of Bill Gates. It doesn't seem like he's a fan of the corrupt politicians who continue to lie to us. And he doesn't seem to be a fan of the Twitter board members and the Twitter lawyers and employees who have been censoring and silencing people because of their political bias. That's what it seems like to me. So our government doing what it does best, being actual authoritarians and coming in and shutting down actual, I didn't even want to call it democracy, if you will. I I don't know, free speech or constitutional God-given rights. There you go. So (laughs) what a guy, what a guy. Um, That's a little bit of Elon Musk just wilding out. He's been going crazy on Twitter. It's been hilarious to watch. And the day that the Twitter board accepted his bid to buy them out for $44 Well, FX and the New York Times announced an Elon Musk expose documentary. Oh my gosh. Like, isn't that just the craziest coincidence, you guys? Isn't it so crazy how as soon as you start pushing back against what the government wants, as soon as you start uh, becoming a threat to the government by trying to tell the truth or trying to, you know, give prosperity back to the people, all of a sudden, the media, who is, of course, the voice of the people, right? The media is supposed to be holding a lot of these corrupt people accountable, comes out with an expose piece about you. When I went on Tucker Carlson, Media Matters actually clipped out the portion where I defended Alex Jones and was like, "Um, this girl and Tucker Carlson were defending Alex Jones. And I was just like, yeah, I was. You trying to get me canceled? Good luck. I'm already deleted on Twitter. And also, I'm too busy actually working to care about you and your sad leftist group of followers hating on me because of course all the comments were like oh this girl's an idiot this girl's retarded and I was just like okay you know one of my favorite quotes is that nobody that is doing better than you is going to be talking down to you or criticizing you because they're too busy focused in on what they're doing so to the media matters reporters who think they're doing the lord's work by exposing me uh 
you know, there's a lot of issues going on in this country at the border with the fentanyl crisis, with the supply chain, with inflation rates, with, you know, chopped up little babies being found in buckets in Washington, D.C. So maybe utilize the gifts that God gave you and your energy towards a better cause than trying to take down a little brown girl that defended Alex Jones. Moving on from that one. So Section 230 has been back on the Biden administration's lips as well. Another weird coincidental timing, how Elon is trying to buy Twitter. And now the Biden administration is like, oh yeah, section 230, Joe Biden's always been a big proponent of that, of you know being able to regulate speech and hold private companies like Twitter accountable for what people post. We've always been a big, a, a bit a big proponent of it. So please everybody, um, yeah, we're probably gonna go ahead and implement that. The AP, of course, writing out the headline, White House didn't tie Section 230 reforms to Musk, but like I just said, Jen Psaki coming out and saying, well, Joe Biden's always been a big proponent of this. And why are they even bringing this back up? And why are they trying to bring up Joe Biden's old answers that he never followed up on when Donald Trump was being deleted off of Twitter because they don't like that the billionaire that's not on their side is now trying to bring free speech back to the people in some way, shape or form. Uh, speaking of the Biden administration, weird story that I'm going to bring up super fast. Biden to skip the eating portion of correspondence dinner to li limit COVID-19 risk. I just thought that was funny. And just to give you guys again, another little snippet, a little trinket of how America is doing. Our president is not going to be eating at um, a correspondence dinner that they're holding at the White House because he doesn't want to get COVID-19. Like our president is literally so frail and could die at any moment that he won't even risk eating food at at the behest of potentially getting COVID. It's just ridiculous. <sighs> what a time to be alive. So going back to, again, the left's response to this, because of course they've been having entire meltdowns. You guys, our democracy is at risk. I don't know what democracy means, but it's at risk. Every leftist, 2016 to 2022, all of the liberals are crying because Twitter is being overtaken by a white supremacist, nationalist, fascist, neo-Nazi. Put whatever label you want on that. That's what Elon Musk is now. You know, the same guy who gave them their Teslas to help with climate change. He is now public enemy number one, a.k.a. Hitler reincarnated because he is trying to buy Twitter and allowing all people to speak. Very bad crime per the left. Uh, listen to some of the meltdowns that have happened since the announcement that Twitter has accepted Elon Musk's bid. I deactivated my account and deleted the app. That's what I think of it. Fuck Elon Musk. Today, Twitter has announced that they've been bought by Elon Musk or however you say his name. Um, I'm not interested in staying on Twitter anymore because of this. And I think there's a lot of people that are about to leave. So I just wanted to let everyone know that you can find me here. I'm gonna also share this on Twitter before I deactivate my account so that anyone who wants to follow me can find me here as well. Hey, I did a thing today. I deactivated my Twitter account. You can too wrecked all right guys twitter is over it's done it's destroyed these brave liberals did what nobody else was willing to do they went the limits that nobody else was willing to go they deactivated their twitter account in the name of freedom and democracy damn i just can't believe they wrecked elon musk that hard I'm having a hard time even commentating after watching that video because of the complete wreckage that is Twitter after these liberals decided not to use the platform anymore. It gets so much worse though, guys. You know, Elon just being absolutely just taken to task by the left wing. We have uh, the Palmer Report that tweeted out today, Elon Musk has publicly attacked two high-ranking Twitter employees today, putting him in violation of the disparagement clause in his buyout agreement. It's unclear if he's just unraveling in general or if he's purposely trying to get the buyout deal voided. So Elon Musk publicly attacking people 
That's it's horrible, right? Okay, these are the attacks. So Sagar and Genti, who has he's actually more left wing, I would say, in his politics. I've listened to his podcast a couple of times. Uh, he's very moderate, leaning more towards the left, I would say. Uh, but he basically says. Vijaya Gaday, the top censorship advocate at Twitter, who famously gaslit the world on Joe Rogan's podcast and censored the Hunter Biden laptop story, is very upset about the Elon Musk takeover. And he puts up a picture of a headline reading, Twitter's top lawyer reassures staff and cries during meeting about Elon Musk takeover. So Elon responds to this and goes, suspending the Twitter account of a major news organization for publishing a truthful story was obviously incredibly inappropriate. That's the attack, guys. A public attack. It gets worse. Cernovich says Twitter lawyer Jim Baker, when general counsel of the FBI personally arranged a meeting between the FBI and Michael Sussman. In this meeting, Sussman presented fabricated evidence in the Alpha Bank matter. Elon Musk, this is who is inside Twitter. And then Elon says, sounds pretty bad. And of course, you have all of these leftists saying that Elon Musk is just out of pocket. He's out of hand. He's publicly attacking people. Another one of his public attacks. He posted this meme today, guys. Okay. He posted this very dangerous meme that could get people killed. I don't know what he was thinking. For my podcast listeners, you guys are so lucky. You don't have to look at it. I can barely look at it right now. You know, watching people do meth in the streets, I could handle. But this meme of Elon publicly criticizing people, I just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, okay? But because I care, I'm going to read it. So it starts out with Tim Pool. Horrible. It says, here's an example of Twitter's left-wing bias. And then it goes over to Twitter's lawyer that they were, that he was criticizing, right? And she says, we have to take the context into consideration. And then it goes back to Tim Pool and it says, Twitter's interpretation of the context is affected by their left-wing bias. It goes back to the lawyer, Vajaya. I would need to see an example of that. And it goes back to Tim. Here's an example of Twitter's left-wing bias. And it's just the circle of life on Twitter. So here's Elon Musk yet again, publicly attacking people, okay? And, and again, the left wing, this is just so good. I, oh my gosh, just watching this whole thing has been amazing. So this is a Washington Post reporter who says, two days into Musk buying Twitter, he's using his megaphone to help target Twitter employees, promoting a barrage of attacks, including racist ones from his fans. Twitter workers have repeatedly asked management for protection from this scenario. You guys, like people are saying mean stuff to me on the internet and it's like really hurting my feelings. And like, this was supposed to be a safe space, but I'm totally not feeling safe because I've chosen to read these comments that I have perceived as racist and they really hurt my feelings. I'm like, yeah, I could like turn off my phone and not read the comments, but like also like I, I read them and I don't feel safe. That's basically all of Twitter. And then to people too, uh, saying that he, uh, Elon publicly criticizing, again, one of the top lawyers for Twitter, she's a public entity. Okay, so she's not above criticism, as Sagar and Genti again points out. Uh, Wapo, Wapo, Washington Post, says, I did not immediately respond to a request for comment on this story. Complete BS. This is what Washington Post does, by the way. They emailed his producer at 2 a.m. Eastern time, seven hours after Elon Musk replied to his tweet with the following ridiculous questions. He says the Twitter executive I mentioned literally went on Joe Rogan experience and is therefore the definition of a public figure. My criticism of her for a policy she publicly defended is in no way responsible for some what rando account may say to her. So it Washington Post, completely ridiculous. And we'll get to another story about the Washington Post. Again, doxing libs of TikTok, the Twitter account that just takes videos of liberals and posts them and is like, wow, look at this guy being insane. Look at this teacher gloating about indoctrinating your kid and making them wear pronoun pins and march around the classroom going, BLM, Black Lives Matter. That's the entire premise of the page. So Taylor Lorenz of Washington Post decided to use all of her time and energy to post a link with the personal home address of the creator of Libs of TikTok and then lied about it and was like, yeah, we never did that. So that's the Washington Post for you. And again, another example of how horrific our media is and how they really do not care about this country or the people, that they are the propaganda arm of the Biden regime. This is Ari Melber of MSNBC talking about what could happen if Elon Musk took over Twitter. Listen. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban 
one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. So there you guys go. Um, (laughs) Remember everything that we've been talking about for the past couple of years with Twitter censorship and how we were like, yeah, everything that Ari Melber just said could happen has already been happening to people who don't have the correct political ideology. Yeah. That's your media. It's just, it's just so chef's kiss. You know what I mean? Ah, He's like, let me lay out the exact situation that's been happening to conservatives, but now it could happen to us. So like now we're going to report on it because it's actually an issue. Another big person, okay, huge in the political space. We all know him. We all love him. Talcum X, aka Sean King, said at its root, Elon Musk wanting to purchase Twitter is not about left versus right. It's about white power. The man was raised in apartheid by a white nationalist. He's upset that Twitter won't allow white nationalists to target and harass people. That's his definition of free speech. And then Sean King deleted his Twitter account. So everyone in the right wing was celebrating this because we were like, hell yes, Sean King sucks so bad. He's a white man pretending to be black for clout. So everyone was like really just so hype about him deleting his account. But then... He reactivated his account and he put this up. I'm still here, mother effers, for his bio. And then he made his uh, header the tweet of Jack Posobiec saying Sean King has deleted his Twitter account. And then Don Jr. retweeting it saying that alone is worth $44 billion. And uh, one of Jack Posobiec's followers retweets it and says his bio coming back from deleting himself is him showing the tweet that he responded to by lying that he didn't delete his account because he tried to say that everyone in the right wing that was celebrating him deleting his account was a liar. But guess what, baby? We got the receipts. We all saw you delete it because you were like, you know, having a bitch fit because you're pathetic. Uh, Pardon my French there, but that was the only way I could articulate that off the cusp. Um, Jack Posobiec always has the receipts, comes out and says, hi, uh, who's the one lying here? Maybe you should learn how to do your job. And he's responding to a uh, reporter for The Intercept, Ryan Grimm, who said, this level of lying is performance art at this point. You can't just click the handle to see if it's not true. Talking about Jack Posobiec saying Sean King deleted his Twitter account. So of course, Jack goes, okay, well, let me just go ahead and post a couple of the headlines for you. Do some, what we would call journalism, right? Uh, AKA a five second Google search from the independent Sean King deletes Twitter after calling Musk take over white power. And then there of course is that screenshot of Sean King deleting his account and then reinstating it, which he said he had to do because he was being threatened and harassed you guys. So he just had to deactivate it for a minute and then he reactivated it. So he's back. He didn't even last 24 hours. Good Lord. So To keep this as short as I can, too, we also have left-wing outlets like Public Citizen saying, FYI, we're blocked by Elon Musk. So much for being committed to free speech. A lot of people are doing this right now. Uh, We also had Michael Rappaport doing something similar, saying, this is Mr. Free Speech, and uh, it's a screenshot of Elon Musk blocked you. Now, what I want us all to realize with this is there is a difference between not wanting people to harass you and blocking them versus completely deleting them off of the platform, not allowing them to have a voice at all. So these people who are mad that Elon Musk blocked them are still utilizing their free speech on the platform that he's trying to buy to call out that he's anti-free speech. They're literally exercising their free speech to call him anti-free speech. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys are following me on that one. Makes no sense. I I don't know. We also have Dick Costello. (coughs) Emphasis on the dick. He used to be Twitter CEO from 2010 to 2015. He said, bullying is not leadership. And then Elon Musk replied, what are you talking about? I'm just saying Twitter needs to be politically neutral. And Elon Musk has remained very neutral with this. 
Uh, he's called out the board leaders who have censored based on political bias and political opinion. He has even said already and come out saying that, you know, people on the left wing are going to be upset. People on the right wing are going to be upset. Many speculating that means maybe Donald Trump won't be allowed on the platform, which is why he has Truth Social. Uh, Donald Trump also coming out and saying that he will not be returning to Twitter. Instead, he will be using his own platform, Truth Social. Follow me over there at Sav Says, by the way. Um, so again, the rabid left saying that Elon Musk criticizing bad policies in Twitter's board and Twitter's company that even Jack Dorsey and the current CEO, I'm not going to try to even pronounce his name because it's very foreign and I don't know how to pronounce it. So I don't want to butcher it. Um, you know, they're both coming out and saying Twitter should be for everybody and we want to make the platform as good for everybody as we can. And the rabid left being like, well, you can't do that because then people that we don't like will be allowed to talk on this platform. And like, you can't do that. Well, again, going into our corrupt media, I'll speed through this. Back to the Washington Post story, uh, Taylor Lorenz doxes libs of TikTok. I think we already kind of went over that. And so Tim Cast. Tim Pool's crew, along with Jeremy Boring of The Daily Wire, decided to put up a little billboard exposing Taylor Lorenz, who tried to lie and say that she didn't dox libs of TikTok. So this is the border that they put up. It says, hey, WAPO, democracy dies in darkness. That's why we're shining a light on you. And then it goes on to say, come on, change frames. There we go. Taylor Lorenz doxed libs of TikTok at TimCast. So that was a billboard that they had put up because Taylor Lorenz verifiably did include a link to private work details and an address listed as the libs of TikTok's owner's private home. Um, they lied about it. So TimCast made sure to get an ad in Times Square to call them out. You know what? It, they can censor us online, but they can't censor us in the real world. So um, I love to see it. I love to see it. And why do they have to censor us? Why are they, the left specifically, so upset that people with dissenting opinions will be allowed to have a voice? Because they can't compete, and they know they can't compete. They know that they're liars, and they know that their entire political ideology and everything that they feed people about climate change, about elections, about democracy is all lies. They can be very easily debunked, which is why they have to censor and delete people. And the corrupt government and corrupt politicians taking it even a step further than that. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene was in a testimony regarding January 6th. And why was she in this testimony? Because corrupt politicians are trying to keep her from being able to rerun for Congress. U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene was hostile during testimony on Friday in a hearing on her eligibility to run for re-election. And it basically talks about how she was tied to January 6th and how she supported it. And so she should not be allowed to run for re-election. So apparently the day before the Capitol insurrection, um, she proclaimed on TV that this is our 1776 moment. And she testified that she never endorsed violence. Again, Democrats trying to align 1776, which goes back to the historical foundations of our entire country, to violence and being a domestic terrorist. Um, Green is set to appear on the Republican ballot for Georgia's May 24th primary and has been endorsed, of course, by Donald Trump. The administrative law judge who oversaw the hearing must present his findings to Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who will then make the ultimate determination on whether Green is qualified and um, yeah, this is the portion I wanted to read. Voters in the Georgia Congresswoman's, di Congresswoman's District have said Green helped facilitate the January 6th insurrection that disrupted the certification of Joe Biden's victory, making her ineligible for re-election under a rarely cited section of the 14th Amendment dealing with insurrection or rebellion. I'm sure you've already heard this take before, but we're going to reiterate it here. The reason why they are doing this to Marjorie Taylor Greene is to see if they can get away with doing it to Donald Trump so that way he can never rerun for president again or hold any other elected uh, seat in office. So that's why they're doing this. 
<laughs> there's so many multiple layers of corruption. Um, I took a break off from the news last week because I was covering on the ground reporting a specific topic, the fentanyl crisis, the homeless crisis. So I wasn't paid attention to everything that was going on nationally. I do these shows for you and for me to kind of update myself. And I was feeling really good about the country. I was like, you know what? Things are pretty bad, but I can still come home to Texas and we're chilling. And then I get online and I read the story about how corrupt politicians and our corrupt government is trying to stop Marjorie Taylor Greene from running for re-election because of the insurrection and her role in it, which is complete BS. They're doing this to stop any, not even just Donald Trump, any person running from office that they don't like politically. Why are we seeing the setup for the DHS starting this disinformation governance board? Why are we seeing the same DHS update their terrorism bulletin to say that if you sow a public dissent against the government or discord or blah, 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 that you're a domestic terrorist and that's domestic terrorism because they're trying to say that any anti-government sentiment is equated to domestic terrorism. And if you are pro-America, if you are pro-Constitution, if you are pro God-given freedoms and rights that the same corrupt government is trying to take away from you, then you are considered a domestic terrorist. You can never run for office. You can never hold an elected position and you will be thrown in jail. I know that sounds extreme, but keep in mind that we still have political prisoners from January 6th rotting in prison and being tortured right now. <sighs> Giving you guys another example of how bleak things look, even on the Republican side, uh, Kevin McCarthy defended leaked January 10th audio talking about removing Trump from office and urging tech giants to silence conservatives. I don't have time to go over this story, but please do go read it for yourself. Basically, Kevin McCarthy was talking to Liz Cheney on the phone and was like, yeah, if I talk to Trump, I would tell him that he needs to resign. And um, he also urged big tech to silence more conservatives. So that's Kevin McCarthy, who is our uh, minority leader currently. If Republicans, you know, at the end of the 2022 midterms, take back the Senate. People are like, do not elect Kevin McCarthy, bro. Like he's a, he's bad news. He's not a good guy. Even Tucker Carlson ran a piece just straight up dragging this man for the rhino that he is. So an update on who you can and cannot trust in Congress. Please do your due diligence as well as the midterms come up and look up the various officials running in your state, whether it's for local government or for, you know, state government, federal government, yeah, state government, whatever. Um, please go look up the various candidates running and go make sure that you make an informed vote. Now, we will end with a quick news blitz uh, from Libs of TikTok. I, I saw this video just to kind of, you know, bring it back to what we talked about last show too, about the LGBTQ indoctrination of our children and how Transition surgery for kids is very detrimental because children, okay, the same kids who are like, I'm a dinosaur, and also are like, oh, yeah, I, I want to wear a dress. I'm a girl today. No, no, I'm a boy. Kids are very malleable when they're young. So when parents take these kids and try to influence them a certain way, try to tell them, hey, maybe you're gay, maybe you're trans, maybe you should, you know, be involved in this surgery, cutting off your organs and limbs. Do some doctors are now like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, these are some of these parents' responses. So this is apparently a mom who is mad because a doctor suggested that her nine-year-old child was too young to know himself when she wanted her kid to transition. So um, this is that video. Pediatrician number two. After I fired pediatrician number one, I asked another mom of a trans kid who lives locally for a pediatrician recommendation, and she gave me one. Aside from incessant misgendering from her whole staff, she also said in front of my child that I needed to mourn the loss of my daughter in front of my nine-year-old transgender child. That's something you never say, by the way. In addition, she then refused to write a letter for his name change, um, stating the fact that he is too young to know himself and refused to connect with his therapist and his endocrinologist. She was the chief of staff at our local hospital. Not only was she disrespecting my son's knowledge of his own self, but she's also disrespecting me. So there you guys go. Those are the people parenting the next generation and indoctrinating them to cut their limbs off. Very heartbreaking stuff. Um, that's the most commentary I'm going to give on that because unfortunately we do have to move on. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Jen Psaki. And the reason why I do uh, replay these types of videos is because 
this show in itself is essentially an archive of the history that we're living through, right? Because there will be revisionist history that it's taught to our kids. So oftentimes, even though we've seen a clip, you know, a bunch of times, maybe it's old, maybe it's from the beginning of last week, I still want to play it. So that way, you can go back, I can go back and remember that Jen Psaki, the press secretary at the time, came in front of America and said these things to us and tried to blatantly lie to us. Um, here's Jen Psaki trying to say that public polling doesn't show that people actually want to take their masks off. Listen to this. Said, and maybe some of it is because uh, there was the video of people on planes, on the plane, on one plane, taking off their masks. Public polling does not actually show that there is a universal view of people getting rid of masks. That's not actually what public polling shows. Okay, so uh, again, this is a great example, too, of why the Disinformation Governance Board is so important, because if you go to any airport in America, I have flown four times in the past week and a half, the majority of people, there's a very small subset that are wearing face masks, but the majority of people not wearing masks at all cheered as soon as flight attendants said they didn't have to wear their mask. And two, uh, let me address this as well, since this did happen last week. I wasn't celebrating the lifting of the mask mandates and mask restrictions on airplanes because I don't understand why the masses were waiting on government permission when we could have been doing this the whole time. We had various airline CEOs writing to the Biden administration saying, please lift the mask mandate. It's just it doesn't make any sense. Please lift it. If those CEOs had decided consecutively, we are not going to force people to wear face masks. Who do you think would have won in that battle? The CEOs and the airlines that are shipping people throughout our country every single day, millions of people, or the Biden administration who is trying to push unscientific nonsense on us. So again, another example, because this will happen again, the government will try to come in and take away our rights and freedoms in any way, shape, or form that they can. Stop waiting for government permission. Stop. Stop listening to the government and stop waiting for the government to tell you when you can and cannot do something. It's absolutely freaking ridiculous. So while everyone was celebrating that the mask mandate was lifted, I was more blackpilled than anything that so many people were still waiting on government permission for some reason. The same government that elects people and hires people that are crying over children not being able to get transgender surgery. If you think I'm being crazy, listen to Jen Psaki here, okay? And again, 60 Minutes ran a piece talking about how kids detransitioned and how it ruined their lives because they'd already gotten castrated or they'd already gotten their breasts chopped off. So they were permanently altered for life. They decided, you know what? I actually realized I was just going through a phase. I'm not actually a girl who's a boy. I'm actually a girl, but guess what? I chopped my boobs off now and permanently scarred. This is what Jen Psaki's crying over. And this is who the Biden administration has allowed into their cabinet and has allowed to the most powerful positions in our country. Watch this ridiculous clip. The political games and harsh and cruel uh, attempts at laws or laws that we're seeing in some states like Florida, that is not a reflection of the country moving to oppose LGBTQ plus communities. That is not what we see in data. That is not factual. Uh, and that is not where things stand. This is a political wedge issue and an attempt to win a culture war. And they're doing that in a way that is harsh and cruel uh, to a community of kids, especially. I'm, I'm like going to get, uh, I'm going to get emotional about this issue because I just, it's horrible. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's like kids who are bullied and they, they, like all these leaders are, are taking steps to hurt them and hurt their lives. I don't even know what to respond with to that. Everything that she just said is a lie. America, if you actually go out on the streets, does not agree with trans surgeries for kids. It's a very, very small minority of psychopaths who want to permanently castrate their children. And the fact that she's crying over this just shows you the levels of depravity in our country. My nine-year-old child, my nine-year-old little girl can't take medication to block her biological process that her body's, you know, naturally doing, putting her through puberty. I can't put her on hormone blockers and permanently alter her life forever. 
and she can't chop off her organs and limbs. It's just, it's so horrible. These people are so freaking demonic, man. All right. Last story that we're going to end on, because I think it's an interesting one and something that our media will never talk about. From study finds, cell phone radiation may be causing a sharp spike in Alzheimer's cases. Wow, you're not going to hear about that one, are you? Cell phone radiation has been a constant suspect when it comes to the development of cancerous brain tumors. Now a new study has found a concerning link between these devices and the onset of Alzheimer's. Researchers say excessive cell phone use and even Wi-Fi radiation can lead to increases in intracellular calcium levels in the brain, another hallmark of the disease. Now this comes from... Washington State University professor Martin L. Paul, who said in a media release, EMFs act via peak electric and time-varying magnetic forces at a nanosecond timescale. Um, and he adds that the peaks significantly grow with each increase in the pulse modulation coming from smartphones, smart meters, and even radar in self-driving vehicles. Any of these may produce the ultimate nightmare. So the review of several Alzheimer's related studies explains that pulsed electronically generated electromagnetic fields, aka EMFs, are producing strong electric and magnetic forces, which have an effect on the human body, specifically these wireless communication signals, activate voltage-gated calcium channels, which regulate intracellular calcium levels. So you know how everyone's like, oh, 5G truthers are so crazy because they think that these 5G towers are like emitting um these various types of electromagnetic things and blah, 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 or different types of frequencies that are bad for us. This is an interesting study about cell phone radi radiation. I wonder if we'll have studies in the future about various types of technologies that, you know, our government's just like, yeah, go ahead, pop it up. All right, great. There's um, really interesting articles that came out a couple years back, actually, about how 5G towers were put up outside of a elementary school. And then multiple kids there was like 12 kids that got cancer and then they all blamed the tower but of course I, I don't really think there was you know any direct correlation with that it's kind of like how if you die from a heart attack um, and you got the covid vaccine well you probably were just eating too many eggs and eggs can cause blood clots or maybe um you know you're just young and had a freak heart attack. It's kind of like that, right? Um, so again, I would encourage all of my listeners, if you think that this is a crazy thing, go and look into that type of stuff, okay? Because the government puts a lot of chemicals in our food and water supply that actually very detrimentally affect our bodies. And now we're all using cell phones and putting them up to our brain that could be causing cancerous brain tumors. So maybe just be a little bit more careful about, uh, you know, the various products that you're using and technologies that we allow into our lives. With that being said, my name is Savannah Hernandez. This has been another episode of Rapid Fire. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me. I apologize that this show has not been as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, on schedule as it used to be. I'm just traveling a lot, but I am trying to get you guys as much content as possible. Please remember, if you do like the show, go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on Google Play, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are streamed. Go to sassesofficial.com, my website. Go check out some of the research and content I put up there. And then, of course, please, if you like this show, if you like this channel, like, subscribe. If you don't like YouTube, go follow me on Rumble or Odyssey. Um, we're doing great, guys. All the channels are growing. Things have been good. Thank you guys, of course, for supporting me always. And hopefully I will be able to get another show out to you guys next week. It will most likely be Friday if I can get one out. I am traveling and I am doing a couple of projects with a company out in California. I'll tell you guys more about that after it happens. Again, my name is Savannah Hernandez. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.